Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 167 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Now, Martina Navratilova has 167 titles, an all-time record for men and women. Today, we discuss anti-spin rubber and if it's good for a beginner to use, whether you should develop an aggressive opener, where to hit the ball in its flight path, and how to return a slow topspin serve. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeffrey. Another interesting number fact. I, I like it. Martina Excellent. Never- I really like that one. A bit of a sporting number fact. So, um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I think... I think you need to limit your yourself to sporting number facts at the least, and table tennis number facts would be even better. Martina Navratilova was one of my favourites, um, just because of her aggressive um, style. You know, the serve and volley where the other girls are out there, you know, baseline and stuff. Yeah, she was good. Certainly was. Now, Alois, we were going to do this show Monday night, but Internet Connect connection problems we've done it tuesday morning how has that affected your this day in history um it has affected my this day in history but i'll cope jeffrey i'll cope so what i will do is you're going to get get two of them so for yesterday for monday which is probably the same day as for most of you that are watching at the moment hmm, interesting um the interesting fact was, and this is probably Australian, but I think it did make worldwide news as well. Um, it was 1980 when two-month-old Azaria Chamberlain disappeared while on a family camping holiday at Ayers Rock. And um, and the uh, the theory was that a dingo stole the baby. Yeah, so made a lot of news around the world. 1980, 35 years ago, Jeffrey. Wow, and was that on the 17th of August or the 18th? That was on the 17th of August, yes. Interesting. And and another Australian-based fact, I suppose, but uh, in 1786, a decision was made in England to colonise New South Wales, which was the first uh, colony in Australia, with convicts from Britain's overcrowded jails. Hence, Australia was born. So, um, you know, so... Very important day in Australia as well. There you go. Certainly is. Good facts, Alois. Like it. Um, so let's move on to the last Ping Sealers question of the day we had, Alois, which was, when does enough training become too much? What do people yeah, have to say had, about this? Yeah, we had quite a few responses on Facebook, some uh, semi-serious, some not so serious. Um, so... Um, Mark O'Reilly said, when you stop enjoying it, and I think that's a really good point. You know, like if you're not enjoying your training, if you're not um, concentrating, if you're not putting in fully, then it's definitely time to stop um, stop that training uh, training session. Um, and uh, Ilya said, when you start to get into overtraining, when I get there, I usually start to sleep poorly, and that's a really good um, sign um, that you are overtraining. Or you have mood swings, feel sluggish during the day, etc. When you train so much that it interferes with the rest of your interferes with the rest of your life and disrupts your career, studying, and relationships. So, some really practical um, ideas there, especially the sleeping one. If you start to sleep poorly, 
it sometimes is a good indicator that you are overtraining. But we did have a few uh, few silly responses as well. So um, Luke Blythman, who uh, I did some coaching with recently, said, as soon as footwork begins, and to you, Luke, I say, you need to do a lot of it. Um, and um, Sammy said, when you start spitting up blood, um, George Christou said... <laughs> George Christou is also a reasonably uh, sensible one. I think when your body doesn't um, let you train properly, otherwise you're just wasting time. Good one. And Mick said, what is this training you speak of? Um, and Trevor Hearth related. Uh, so as, as a lot of you may know, Jeff and I did commentate on um, at the Australian Open, and uh, Trevor Hurd said, when you wake up at 3.51 a.m. because you hear your coach's voice and think you're going back crazy, I won't put the rest of the word in, only to realise you forgot to turn the TV off and it is your actual coach's voice commentating on the Australian Open. So, yes, some, some interesting <laughs> and funny responses there. That is good, Alois, very funny stuff. Um, but it is, an, it is a, a serious topic, isn't it? Because... You want to train a lot so you can get better, but if you are, you know, not focused because you've been doing too much or you're not enjoying it, then you're probably not improving anyway. So you probably just, you know, uh, probably it's probably bad because you're going to stop enjoying the game. You're not going to want to play as much. So it is a really serious question. It is, yeah. So no, de- definitely, you need to monitor yourself uh, constantly about your training. So. You know, we always say, you know, try to train more, try to train more. And that's mainly because I think most players don't train enough. But there is a point where you can start to train too much. Um, and, you know, those signs that I think Ilya talked about, you know, if you're, if you're starting to sleep poorly, if you're starting to get sluggish, if you're starting to get aggravated um, and, uh, and you know, intense, then start to think about it. You know, maybe that's a sign for you that you need to just slow down your training a little bit. It might just mean um, a day off. It might just mean a, a, an easier session during your training. But, uh, yeah, really do monitor it because it is a factor. Very good. All right, let's move on to the Pink Seals question of the day, which is what is the best advice you have received in a match? So, as always, you can jump onto our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash pingskills, or onto our blog, just go to pingskills.com and click on the blog link. Let us know what is the best advice you have received in a match. We always love to hear your thoughts, so get involved. All right, now in the questions, Alois, we were talking about Ilya before, and he has asked a question. He says, hi, when I was in a camp, coaches told me that a good topspin should have a soft, gentle sound at contact. However, when I watch the top players, their rackets click all the time, even when they finish their strokes nice and high. So how can this be? Yeah, I think um, the the sound is relative. So those top players are hitting the ball really hard and fast, and they are balancing the the spin and the speed uh, quite well all the time. So they are probably hitting the ball a little bit flatter than most of us would. Um, just, just because they're hitting the ball faster uh, a bit more often. But it is really important when you're starting to learn the topspin that you're understanding that brushing contact. If you don't get that brushing contact, then you don't generate the topspin 
and therefore you don't get that dip on the ball. So it's difficult to, to, to hit that ball a bit faster. So just make sure that you do get that nice um, rushing um, contact, especially to start with, which will uh, be reflected by a, um, a finer or, or a softer sound, sorry. Yep, so so that's something you can you should really think about. And the top players, it does sound a bit louder uh, just because they're hitting the ball faster. Okay, got it. So really it's a good idea when you're developing your top spin to maybe focus on the different sounds and just get to know, um, okay, that sounded like that and I hit it a bit flatter, that sounded a bit softer, I had a bit more top spin on it. Probably a, a good learning tool, just something to focus on every now and again. Yeah, definitely the um, the sound it can be important. And, you know, some people learn better by the touch of uh, what it feels like on the bat. Some people learn better by watching the, the dip on the ball, um, you know, the visual learners. Um, and some people will uh, learn better by listening to the sound of that uh, that ball as well. Okay, excellent. So, yeah, Ilya, try focusing on the sound and just listening to the different types of sound with your different types of strokes and and see if what your coach um, says makes sense to you um, when you concentrate on that. All right, next up is a question from Jith who says, my daughter has started playing table tennis just a couple of months back uh, with a ready-made GKI Kung Fu racket. He had suggested a few blades. He has further suggested that she start with anti-spin rubber on one side, uh, Mark V, and Shriver on the other side. So um, what are your thoughts on this, Alois? Um, yeah, so actually, Jeff, we might just go to Tusha's question first. That um, is a good idea. Yeah. Um, Tusha has so asked, what is anti-spin rubber and what, it's, what are its advantages and who uses them? Yeah, so, um, so anti-spin rubber is a rubber that basically has no grip on it. So um, it looks very similar to um, inverted rubber because it has a flat surface, but the, but the actual surface has no grip. So if I rub, this is a normal rubber. So if I rub the ball across that, you can see, you, um, I can feel a real grip on the ball. But with anti-spin rubber, I just rub it across and it has no friction on the top at all. So what it does is it makes it easier to control spin because when the spin is coming into the ball or into the bat, it doesn't uh, kick out of the bat. It just it's like almost like a wall. So I can just basically push through the ball and that deadens deadens the spin. So that's what the anti-spin rubber is. As to who uses it, um, it's mainly players that are very defensive on the backhand side. Um, and maybe players that are finding it really difficult to control spin. Um, we find a lot of um, players, when they slow down, uh, will use anti-spin rubber because it just gives them something different to uh, to play with, and it also slows the ball down a, a little bit. So, um, yeah, so that's who uses it, and that's what uh, anti-spin rubber is. And then um, getting to the next question um, <coughs> about your daughter, um, I think at, a, at an early age it really isn't a good idea to um, to use anti-spin rubber. I think it's really important, uh, Jith, for your daughter to to learn about spin, uh, to learn about um, her backhand and trying to create um, an attacking backhand to start off with. Once she can do that, once she has the basic strokes right, once she's got the, her basic game right, then she can start to think about using anti-spin and perhaps, you know, just changing up her game a little bit uh, 
by doing that. But I really wouldn't um, encourage her playing with Andy Spin. Um, I think you said, yeah, only after a couple of months of play. Um, uh, yeah, so she's only been playing a couple of months. Yeah, definitely not Andy Spin at this stage. You know, you might find that if she's playing some better players, she might get some better results straight away because it'll be just easier to push the ball back with the anti spin. But if you're thinking about her development and long-term, I don't think it's the way to go, Jim. So what's the problem, the main problem with using it as a beginner? Is it that you're not learning about spin? Um, yeah, it's two things. It's not learning about how to control spin. So if someone spins the ball to you, you can just put your bat to it. And basically, it can go back on the table. So you're not actually comprehending and feeling what the effects of that spin are. So if you're not feeling that, then you're not learning um, what uh, what's actually happening to the ball. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing, you can't uh, play attacking top spin strokes effectively with the anti-spin rubber either. And it will limit the um, development of your strokes. So... So that's why. Gotcha. Excellent. All right, there you go, Jith. That's um, our advice about starting off with Andy Spin Rubber. All right. Um, another question from Ilya. And Ilya says, I find strong open-ups very difficult. I can do them in training with a 50% chance of success and use them in matches only occasionally. Does it make sense to work on those aggressive shots or is it better to concentrate on something else? Um, yeah, Ilya, I think I think you can start to think about playing that ball a bit faster um, in matches and, and definitely in training. So it, we find that um, once you've developed your stroke and your technique, the way that uh, we'd like you to play your, your forehand top spins makes it relatively easy to transition to the faster ball as long as you maintain your technique. So... Um, so now, if you feel that your um, consistent topspin is okay, then just start to speed it up. Just get that bat moving through faster and see how you go with it. Um, the, the main issue I always find with players trying to speed the stroke up is they, instead of playing the same stroke a little bit faster, they start to do um, all weird and wonderful types of strokes and try to get that ball faster. So, so don't try and do too much. Uh, things to get the ball a bit faster, you can just flatten out the contact a little bit and you can go slightly more forward, finishing um, more in front of your head rather than here with, with the end of the stroke. So um, there's a couple of things to, to think about with playing faster. Yes, definitely. Uh, for you, Ilya, I would say start to um, focus on playing some more balls fast. Not all of them, but start to develop the capacity to play that ball faster as well. Yeah, now Alois at the moment, he says he's got like a 50% chance of success with this, which is obviously not ideal in matches to use at that sort of rate. But like you said, if you um, just speed up the stroke and maintain the technique, um, hopefully you can you can bring that percentage up. So I'm wondering if it's a good idea for Ilya maybe just to video himself in practice trying to go for those faster ones and just see if the technique is being maintained or if there's something else um, causing that 50% success rate. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Uh, watching yourself on video is great. I mean, even just um, stand in front of a mirror and just uh, do the swing and just see uh, see what it looks like. 
So you might find that it looks completely different. So yeah, videoing or in front of a mirror is great um, as good feedback for yourself on what your stroke's actually looking like. Great. Excellent. All right, Ilya. So try that out. Keep working on it. It is an important stroke and will make a big difference to your game. So good to see you working on those things. All right. Romeo has said, my coach has always told me to take dead balls on the rise, toss in balls at the peak and backspin balls on the fall. But recently I've seen Marlong do a forehand topspin off a backspin shot on the rise. I noticed um, he did it very well. Uh, how does he do this? And, you know, let's have some advice, Alice, on where to hit the ball in general. Yeah. Um, so for the, for the better players, they can have learned basically to hit the ball basically wherever they want. So they do this because they've got really fast racket head speed. And it doesn't matter if the, if the backspin is really early off the table or later, they can, uh, they can compensate for that. I think to start off with, I mean, just just focus on hitting the ball at the top of the bounce, um, you know, uh, for most of your strokes. If you hit the ball at the top of the bounce most of the time, then uh, you will start to uh, get a little bit more consistency with your stroke. So you can think about, you know, um, hitting the hitting the dead balls at the top and all that sort of stuff. But I think it just confuses things a little bit too much. Just wait for the top of the bounce, play a top spin, play a counter hit, yeah. Excellent. I think that's good advice, Alice. Keeps it nice and simple. Just hit the ball at the top of the bounce. There you've got the maximum um, opportunity to get the ball on the table, the best angle onto the table. And then as you develop and, you know, play games, you're going to be slightly out of position and you'll get used to hitting the ball at different stages and work it out. But as a, as a general rule, great advice. Take the ball at the top. But, yeah, um, that backspin... On the rise, Alloys, is one of the hardest shots to do in uh, table tennis. Yeah, it is because um, often I find that players don't get close enough to that ball. So um, they'll try to take that backspin ball out here and then it's really difficult to control. So if you get a little bit closer in and take the ball on the rise, it makes it easier. But also you do need a lot of racket head speed um, to be able to do that because the ball's still got a lot of backspin on it and it's lower as well. So you need, need that, um, uh, that friction to lift the ball up. If you just play that ball slowly when the ball's low, it's just going to go straight down. Yeah, very impressive uh, to see Marlong do that. All right. Next question is from Ernest. And Ernest asks, can you tell me some options to receive a slow topspin serve? And of those options, which is the most effective? Yeah, so Ernest, I'm, just, I'm assuming that it's a short, um, slow topspin serve. Um, so probably the best option is to be able to flick the ball. So um, with topspin, it makes it a little bit easier to make the flick, either the forehand or the backhand flick, because you can go more forward on the ball and generate a bit more speed yourself. So that's probably the best option. You can, however push that ball, but it takes a lot of touch and feel. Um, you'll see the better players do um, push that uh, short topspin serve sometimes. Um, and your stroke needs to be almost vertical. So you're really, really coming down on the ball. If you push forward at all, then the topspin is going to um, take the ball too high and make it easy for your opponent to attack. But if you come down on the ball and really have a nice, loose, soft hand, um, 
you can absorb that top spin and keep the ball quite low. And it then becomes quite a difficult stroke for the server. Um, one, because they're not expecting you to push the ball. So when they serve topspin, they're thinking that you're going to flick or the ball's going to come long to them. So they're getting ready for that ball. So if you can push that ball short um, and low, then firstly, it throws them out. And the second thing is that the ball does, because it's coming into you with topspin and you're doing that and almost helping it on, on its way in that um, spinning motion, it has quite a lot of backspin on the ball when it gets back to them. So, um, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth trying it out. It's a difficult stroke to do the push, but definitely the easiest stroke is the flick. Okay, got it. And um, so to make those effective, you talked about that push. It's got to you got to keep that short, otherwise they're going to be able to attack it. So keep that push short and low um, with the flick. I guess it's all about, you know, placements, uh, maybe speed on what makes that effective. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about it's about get generating um, enough um, speed as well. So if you just flick the ball slowly, it's basically like a, a slow counter hit. Um, the other person is going to be able to attack. So you do need to push forward on that flick and, and generate some pace. And as you said, uh, the placement's also important. If you flick it straight to their forehand box uh, where they're ready, then again, it's going to be an easy attack for them. Yeah. And in regards to which is the most effective, it's real, there really is no most effective, is there, Alice? We get this question a lot, but it, it depends on a lot of things, like especially your opponent and how well they handle the different uh, types of returns. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, effectiveness depends on your opponent. Um, I suppose easiest, though, is the flick. Gotcha. All right. And um, we've got a good lesson on the flick. So we'll put that in the show notes along with a lot of other um, videos that we've talked about during the show. Um, That wraps up all the questions. So thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you visit pingskills.com. Get involved. Answer the question of the day. Sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. Lots of great tips. And um, thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, hope you have a great day, Ping Skillers. A um, bit cool in Melbourne, but hopefully it's going to be warming up later in the week. Sounds good. Catch you, everyone. Bye.